Yo, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Get the Shot podcast. This podcast is aimed at helping all you young, aspiring creatives get your shot at working in the sports creative industry. My name is Billy Quach, and I am the creative director at Let It Fly Media and also an NFL content creator. Today, we're going to be talking with Justin Law. He is a senior producer at Gamecock Football at the University of South Carolina. And today, we're going to be talking about how a monkey changed his career path when he got bit in a biology lab, and that made him want to leave biology and become a content creator. We're also going to be talking about his experience working for some of the best college athletic departments in terms of content creation. And lastly, we're going to be answering questions straight from you, the audience, using our call-in. So thank you so much for everybody calling in. Thank you, Justin Law, for being our guest. Let's get this episode started. Let's run it. All right, yo, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Justin Law on from South Carolina Football. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, first, I just want to start out with pretty easy. What is your current title and where do you work at and what do you do? What's your day-to-day like? Yeah, so I currently work at South Carolina Football as a senior producer. And what that kind of means is... Basically, uh, during the season, I'm shooting games. I'm editing game recaps. Uh, we do a weekly series called Battle Armor. Uh, I usually help out on those shoots, and that's basically like a uniform reveal that we do every week. Um, and then once football season's over, I kind of move over to men's basketball, and I'll do like game coverage there. Um, but off season is basically geared towards recruiting, so I'm working on recruiting videos and. That could be anything from like showing off the city to like, you know, like NFL highlights from from some of our former guys. Just basically anything that the coaches need, we provide for them and that helps them recruit so kids can come play for our team. Talk to me a little bit about kind of your journey on how you got here. Like when did you first pick up a camera and when did you first get into video versus um, all the spots you landed until you landed this position at South Carolina? So it's, it's kind of been a journey. Uh, I started shooting video in college. I was actually a biology major. And, but on the side, I would shoot dance battles because I was really big, big into the dance, like break dance scene in Seattle. So I did that. I was like, hey, I should pick up a camera. And I got like a T3i and started shooting those and kind of just playing around with the footage. And then once I graduated, I got a job at a lab kind of like more focused towards like my major and I absolutely hated it. Like just like, wasn't for me. And I felt like I kind of wasted the past four years and I was kind of in a crisis, but I thought, what else am I going to do? So I did video on the side. So I was like, Hey, let's give this a shot from there. I basically just applied to anything and everything that had video in the job title and I ended up landing at this startup company called zip whip. And it's basically like a corporate company, not really in sports yet, but Hey, I didn't have any real world experience besides, you know, just shooting like dance battles and all that, but that's not really, you know, that valuable to like getting an actual job. So I took, I was in that job for a bit. I was an intern. Um, after three months, I got hired on full time as the video producer there. And on the side, I would do sports internships, so I interned with like the WNBA team over there in Seattle, uh, the Seattle Storm. I did 
internship with Utah football, uh, Seattle Mariners, basically trying to just, you know, get as much sports experience as I could at the same time as working a full-time job. So just like really grinding and trying to learn as much as I can. And then eventually after two years of being in that, that corporate job, I made the switch full-time um, into UW athletics, university of Washington athletics, which they have a great team over there. And I was over there for a season because it was a seasonal gig. And uh, once that ran out, I had to look elsewhere and I ended up landing a job at Ohio state as assistant director of creative media and spent the season there. And it was a great time. There's a great team over there, but I eventually moved down here to South Carolina where I work for the football team now. So I've kind of been to a few places like in a short amount of time, but I'm really happy down here. And yeah, that's my shortened story of my journey. That's a lot of stops to get to where you're at now. That's very interesting to hear that you're a biology major. Um, and you, you finished your major, right? You went all the way through mm-hmm. and even got a job yeah. in biology and like in the field that you were studying in. And then that's when you decided this isn't for me. You know, it's not, it's not, um, I can't see myself doing this long term. So then you, yeah. you know, went full <laughs> all in on um, video. What was like? What was that? Do you remember the day that you made that decision? Like, because I remember when I made the switch from engineering to, you know, pursue video. And like, I remember I was in my apartment. I called my dad, like, and told him, like, do you remember that turning point for you? Yeah. Uh, it's actually really funny because I worked in the lab with like animals and I actually got bit by a monkey. And I'll, that, was, that was like the last like straw for me, kind of just working in that field. And then, Probably like a couple nights later, I decided, okay, I'm going to give this video thing a shot and started looking around at like uh, job openings and reading the responsibilities and like job requirements. And that really gave me a good idea of like, okay, these are the things I need to learn to, to get into these jobs. So I just took like probably like three month, three weeks to a month, just like learning as much as I could through YouTube. And eventually just was lucky enough to land that first internship with the corporate company <laughs> you got bit by a monkey yeah That's... it like <laughs> i don't know i never wanted to work with animals uh I, w- I wanted to be like mark bio but i was like desperate for a job that would yeah. just like you know cover the bills yeah so so you didn't even really have much video experience from college like you were out full-time at a biology lab and then you started kind of learning and getting into it more um that's that's crazy i love that story it's it's kind of like the, almost like the blueprint, I feel like, that I tell a lot of people is, you know, mm-hmm. even if you're starting from step one, you can go find the lowest of the low at a corporate job or like any job really and figure out what you need to work on, what job applications are saying that the responsibilities are at a, you know, actual video position at a sports team or whatever team you want to work for and then work your way up from there. So I really like that you have that journey from, you know, being in biology, going to the lab, literally going into the lab afterwards and like <laughs> going to work at a corporate position, intern full-time, and then work your way up through WNBA and Washington, and then eventually Ohio State. That's Ohio State and South Carolina, I feel like, you know, top five in my mind when it comes to content. How did you um, end mm-hmm. up at Ohio State? I mean, there's like a decent amount of sports teams in Seattle, but you kind of have to wait for the right timing to actually get a full-time job. Like internships are easier because I feel like they rotate those every season. 
Um, but I knew I would have a bigger opportunity or probably a bigger chance of landing a job if I looked out of state. And luckily, Ohio State was hiring right when my seasonal position was uh, ending. So I applied for that. And luckily, they got back to me and I interviewed there and got the job. I didn't even like, to be honest, like I wasn't even that big of a sports fan back then. Like I didn't really watch sports in my free time, but so I wasn't even aware of how like big Ohio state was like, it's kind of sad to say yeah. like, but like all my coworkers were telling me like, yeah, this is, this is a big deal. Like I was happy I got the job and I knew it was big for me, but I didn't realize like the magnitude of like the, the like, yeah, that, the, games the are social crazy. space that, yeah, they're, the games are crazy and their, their content has been on top for like a long time. Yeah. And that's like attributing that to like the people that were there, like Sammy Silverman for graphic design and Zach Swartz, which I didn't realize you actually worked with them. Yeah, until that's, I listened that's to like Alex my, podcast. my golden <laughs> nugget. I worked with Zach before he became the Zach Swartz everybody else knows. I was with him at Arkansas mm-hmm. Razorbacks. I was a student, he was a GA. And I think... It might have been my junior or senior year. I'm not sure. But he then, you know, interviewed at Ohio State and got the job there. And that was kind of the first time I ever saw someone have a position that did what I wanted to do. Like, going through college, I was like, people would ask me, what do you want to do after college? Like, what are you going to do? I was like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the job titles are. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what's out there. And Zach was like the mm-hmm. first person to open my eyes like, okay, creative of new media at a sports team. I want to be that at a different sports team. Whatever that is, I just want to be that. So it's really cool to be able to say I knew Zach before he even got to Ohio State. Um, and it, it's a crazy small world that like, you know, because everybody, all the creatives that come out of Ohio State now, I have an easy in like, hey, I know Zach too. And like, it's just crazy how we're all connected <laughs> like that. Um, we've got a couple people in the call-in waiting room, so we're going to get to that portion now to let them ask the questions because cool. I'm sure they'll have the same questions that I'm asking right now. Um, first up is Ethan. Yo, what up, Ethan? How's it going, guys? Good. Good. How are you? I'm great. Nice. First off, I just want to say, really, thank you so much for uh, having this podcast. The first few episodes have been amazing and uh, super informational, so... Thank you from all of us. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for the support. Um, I've got Justin Law in here, senior producer from Gamecock Football. Um, so feel free to let's start off with an intro on you and kind of where you're at right now, yeah. if you're a student or if you're working, just so we have a little more context about your situation. And then you could ask your first question. Cool. Uh, well, my name is Ethan McAlpin. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm currently an unrestricted free agent. Hoping to find that, you know, that chance, get that shot. And uh, I just graduated from Flagler College down in St. Augustine, Florida. And I'm a media major. I worked with the basketball team there for two years. Uh, So, yeah, now I'm trying to continue that, working in sports. My first question is, uh, so you worked with Matisse Stiebel at the University of Washington, correct? Yeah. And have you uh, been following the YouTube stuff that he's been coming out with uh, through the NBA bubble? Yeah, I've seen a few of his videos. Like, they're pretty awesome. Like, yeah. They're, they're pretty, like, well done, like, especially for, like, NBA player. I mean, I knew Matisse back at uh, UW, and he did, like, a lot of photography on the side. So that kind of – that probably, like, explains that. Yeah, so I didn't realize he'd been doing it for a few years. So uh, a lot of people, or at least I've seen a few 
call him kind of the Casey Neistat of the bubble. So what are your thoughts on his videos and his ability to craft a story and captivate his audience on YouTube? Because he's gotten a bit, pretty big following just from the videos he's put out through the bubble. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's like probably, like that could be like the next step for like sports creative is, you know, hey, give these athletes a camera. And like, I'm sure it's a lot more personal coming from, you know, his own account and like a vlog style coming from a player than like something that's overproduced stuff that you usually see like on ESPN. Like it's just a new Avenue to kind of reach like a bigger audience. Like you're reaching like not only fans of the team, but like, you know, like people who just enjoy YouTube vlogs in general. Uh, I feel like you could do, you know, unrestricted things that you probably wouldn't see in like commercial. Like he has like a bunch of like slick transitions that you normally see from vlogs and all that, but they're like super eye catching. And it's just like pretty awesome to see that players like heading in that direction of like creating the content for themselves. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, over the next couple of years, especially as you know, the next generation of athletes kind of take over the leagues. Like these are the athletes that grew up with cell phones in their hands that, grew up with, you know, video cameras and camcorders like everywhere around them with easy access. So they're going to be more comfortable with, you know, putting stuff out there versus maybe, you know, the current generation of athletes that you see now that are starting to, you know, some of them are starting to get into it and understand the value there, but a lot of them are just in it for, you know, the sport and just, you know, get in, get out, grind and go home. But, you know, I see it a lot too, the newer, newer, you know, you, you kind of just tell that that next wave of athlete is coming. And that was really cool to see um, during the NBA playoff, that vlog. It's, I, what I'm most impressed is his thumbnails. Like, the thumbnail, <laughs> I don't know if he's getting those from somebody else, but whoever makes those thumbnails, like, they're better than what I could do. Like, it's it's insane to see. And I love how he went he went with the colors of the Sixers as well for those. So he kept, uh, even though his own, his own personal account, he kept his team involved with it kind of in that way. And I think they even like this from like the Sixers account, like they probably like love that stuff. Like they're probably like sharing it and it's just extra content and publicity for them too, as well. As a like team employee, I'm sure that was like, like gold for the content creators there. And, you know, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what's coming next is like the athletes that can take advantage of their brand and their image and become their own content creator. Then they don't, I mean, I, I don't want this to happen selfishly because then I'm out of the job. Like, but it's coming for sure. And it's going to be cool to see how, you know, new new athletes come in and, you know, use TikTok, use Snapchat, use Instagram to take advantage of all that. Well, you mentioned that you, you know, if that were to happen, you may be out of a job. But do you see more opportunity in the future with the potential for that ha- happening? More opportunity for you to transition to working directly with the athlete full time? Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a, you know, great opportunity on the horizon for athletes to start, you know, hiring content creators full time. And you, you already see that already. Like I know, you know, Juju on the Steelers has his own people, Tom Brady, Cam Noonan, they have their own people. Like eventually every single athlete is going to have their own guy. If they're not their own guy, like, um, once, once athletes figure out how much value there is in putting out authentic content, straight from them, like straight from the heart. And it's not some like scripted, like obviously, you know, not all in from them. Like once they take advantage of the flip side, which is 
you know, their brand, their image, their story. Like fans will, fans love a good story and brands love to attach themselves themselves to those stories. So I think it's um, a big wave coming in the next couple of years. Sweet. Good answers, guys. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Next question would be, what are your team's game plans for content after a loss? I think we, you briefly touched on this uh, a couple podcasts ago, Billy, but I was just um, curious, like what the game plan. So at my school where I uh, worked for two years to, as a student, I was the only guy really. And so I was, my whole uh, learning throughout all of this is just following teams, following other creators like you guys and seeing what y'all do. So I'm curious from a perspective of y'all having a whole team around you guys of creators. Yeah. What's the game plan after a loss? Yeah, it definitely gets more challenging. And that's something that I've experienced this season because we're two and three. Um, like definitely the highs are high, but then when, when there's lows, there's still opportunity to highlight good moments. Like, I mean, yeah, the team didn't win, but you could still, if it's like your running back had a great game, then you could highlight that and like, uh, our running back has like the second most yards in the SEC right now. So you could form like a story around that. Or, you know, if you're doing trailers, like have the message for the next trailer be about like bouncing back or facing adversity. You kind of just have to look for these stories within those losses to kind of, you know, keep your team in a positive light. But also sometimes the right answer, if you're doing like really bad, is just to go silent until something good happens. Like you don't have to force it, but that's definitely a discussion among the team because I feel like if you're just putting out content to put out content, it could also, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. I'll add on to that. I think the most important thing is to have a plan. Like um, I think Alex mentioned it in his podcast a couple of episodes ago, but um, they at the Chargers, they have a if win plan and a if lose plan. And I remember at the Chiefs, you know, we always had the if-win plan, but I don't really remember talking about the if-lose. Like, that part was a little more muddled and maybe not as strategic as if-win because obviously, you know, you want to win and you're just hoping your team wins, but you're not always going to get that dub. So it is important to have a game plan for both scenarios. Heck, all three scenarios. Like, what if you tie if there is a tie allowed in whatever sport you're playing? Um, is always a smart idea to do. Um, just so you're prepared um, because the last thing you want to do is like go into a situation not prepared. And uh, I'm not currently working for a team, so I don't actually have to worry about this a lot. So, um, but based on my past experience, that's kind of how, you know, we've dealt with things is just trying to have a plan and um, being prepared for both scenarios. Thank you guys. So my last question is as this podcast is titled, when it comes to getting your shot, um, I know Billy, you had mentioned that you'll hire anyone. Uh, I think uh, with it that has it, um, and then a couple podcasts ago, you also touched on um, you might rather have someone that's a fire uh, cinematographer rather than a little bit of everything. Um, so, from the point standpoint of a hiring manager, what are you looking for in that ideal candidate? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think first it depends on the organization and the team that you currently have. Um, if I'm working in a department that, you know, our main focus is visual effects because we're working for a visual effects house in LA, then I'm ideally looking for someone who's strong in, you know, Cinema 4D and 3D and all of that and not really worried about someone who can 
come in and tell a story and shoot, you know, documentaries. So first, I think it's assessing, you know, what pieces we have um, and who we currently have on our team and what their strengths and what their weaknesses are. And that might, you know, play a little bit on the type of candidate we're looking for. Um, for example, maybe if we're at the Chiefs and, you know, we have three great long-form storytellers who, you know, can crush, you know, those two to three minutes interviews and like really well produced and all that. But we don't really have anyone that's as strong in, you know, the short form social media content. Like I'm going to make sure that when I'm hiring, I'm looking for someone who has a background in producing social content and that quick turnaround content to kind of even it out in my team. Um, So that's kind of what I'm looking for it's all based on who I have like it if I, if I don't have anybody then you know I'll probably the first person I'll get is probably someone who's more of a jack of all trades and who has who's pretty solid at everything um, and that's kind of what I did at Let It Fly Media with Andy Torres like he's you know a good shooter he's a good uh, animator he's a good you know he was pretty decent at everything he I wouldn't say he's amazingly perfect at one thing he's just super super amazing at all of it um, so that's the person I wanted in the door. And then next, you know, we hired Dakota, who's a great um, After Effects, animations, Cinema 4D. Like, he's crazy with all those visuals. So then now I know I don't have to hire another Dakota for a while. I could get someone like we just hired an Evan Miller from the Chiefs. He's really good at just being a pure shooter and, you know, getting – shots at an event and you know using that to put into long-form content and that's kind of his background so it's really just balancing out you know who i have and what the needs are based on the makeup of my team yeah and i could kind of add to that kind of from the perspective of like college athletics which is like my favorite field to work in currently because the it really like billy said it's really what you need but in college athletics you usually have to do like a little bit of everything you're shooting, the games, you're editing. Sometimes you'll be asked to, you know, make a, like an end card for like an animation, like end slate. So like if you go higher up in like, and work at like an agency that's like well-established that has a huge team, they're probably looking for specialists, like people who could do like one, one or a few things really well versus like college athletics where things are a little bit more scrappy. There might not be enough resources to, you know, to get a, a person for every single trait. So you look within like a person's skill set and then look at the needs that you have for that job opening and you kind of assess based off of there. Cool. I appreciate those answers. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ethan, right. for uh, calling in. Of course. Yeah. Do I have time for one more question? Or yeah, for sure. Yeah, shoot. Okay. So coming from a D2 school and being my own guy uh, with the creative team, I never really got a good understanding of how people get the game call after the game to use in an edit. Like, oh, he's on the 10. He's running for the touchdown. Uh, how do you go about getting that? Yeah. Uh, at Ohio State, we would literally bring a recorder to the TV truck and either we set it up our, ourselves or we hand it to the guy running the truck and he'll plug in the feed for us. So we're getting that clean feed without all the graphics on it. And we just got to remember to grab that after the game. Uh, but down here in South Carolina, sometimes we just know people at the network and they'll get us, you know, the feed a couple of days later 
usually not right away. So if you write, if you want it right away for like, if you're making a game recap, it's like go to the truck with the recorder. Usually they're pretty open. Just be like, Hey, I work for this school or I work for this team. Uh, can I get a clean feed of the TV network? And then the, they're usually more than helpful and willing to help. Yeah. And you could also go to the radio booth and ask, you know, do the same thing with them, like bring a recorder, find out who their tech is and say, Hey, um, I'd love to get a clean feed of the play-by-play and, you know, the colors you have without any, you know, special effects or music or whatever. Um, and they'll usually be open to helping you set that up. Um, you just got, the big thing is you got to remember to go back and grab it because if you forget it, they're just going to like leave it or accidentally take it or whatever. Um, and that's what we did at the Chiefs. Um, usually we had it for home games. I know we had it uh, built in into our network at the stadium to where, you know, we got the feed of the radio calls um, directly to us. But on away games, we would have to, you know, find the radio booth, you know, hand them an SD card or hand them a recorder and make sure they get it set up. And then they would, since they worked, the the radio team worked for us, they would just bring that back to the plane. And, you know, that made it easy for for us. We didn't have to remember about it. But if 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 you're going to a radio booth that isn't affiliated with you, your team, then you just gotta remember that um, back and forth. Um, another thing is we also had access at the Chiefs to um, kind of this site. It, it, it let us grab the radio calls from there. Um, I know that's very Chiefs specific, but you know, there's, there's I think there's a multitude of way. And worst case, you know, you go on YouTube and rip um, highlights. That's that's the worst case if you don't have any of those avenues. Thank you guys. That is a great answer to a question I've been curious about for a while <laughs> yeah that, that's a really good question um but yeah thank you so much ethan for calling in and um i'll talk to you later of course thank you guys and one more thing is uh justin i just wanted to say I meant to say at the beginning you're real and then your ohio state uh, game recaps edit with all the after effects those were highly impressive both the after effects in them and the sound design i really appreciate I really that admired. appreciate that all right man thanks for coming or coming in and asking questions ethan Cheers, guys. I really liked um, how you brought up um, kind of that basketball player in the bubble that started, you know, vlogging and kind of blew up. Um, Do you guys ever, you know, give the camera to your players and let them kind of handle things? Or, you know, have have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, at Ohio State, we did like a a dorm tour. But I didn't want to just do like, you know, like your traditional like crib style tour where you're just like holding the camera and they kind of like introduce themselves because it's been done like a million times. So... I wanted to do it a little bit different. So I just got a Sony a7S and then threw a, like an ultra wide on it and then set it to auto. So like, it's really hard to mess up the shots. And I just gave it to one of the players. I was like, Hey, you know, give us a tour of this room or give us a tour of this unit with your other teammates. And they kind of just like vibed off of each other and got some like really good, like authentic content because it wasn't, you know, a video producer behind the, the camera, it was like one of their friends. So they're just kind of like goofing around, but it's, it made the content like really genuine and did like really well on Instagram. Yeah, I think that's huge when you can find a way to let the athlete create the content without you being there. They'll be the, their more natural self um, unless they're super comfortable with you. Um, all right, next we got mm-hmm. Trevor in the waiting room. So I'm going to admit him. Yo, Trevor, what's going on, bro? Hey, hey, can you hear me? Yes, we got you. How are you doing today? Yep. I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? Uh, we are doing well. Um, I got Justin Law in the house with me, and we've uh, been answering some of y'all's questions. So let's just start off with uh, an intro from you. 
uh, your name, where you're from, and kind of what you're doing now if you're a student or if you're working, just so we have some more context on your questions. And then you can go ahead and ask the first question after that. Yeah. Uh, so again, my name is Trevor. I am 23, live in South KC. Um, right now I am doing sales. Um, I did not realize I kind of had a passion for videography and whatnot until I was after college. Um, that's kind of when I picked up the camera for the first time. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, just trying to get back into the swing of things. It's obviously hard once you kind of go one path to switch back. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So obviously I've been, I've been following you, Billy, for a while. And Justin, I've, I've, I've seen a few of your edits kind of just pop up on my Twitter. Um, thanks to Billy. Um, but what was kind of the first thing that you did um, to kind of get your foot into the door? Um, and as far as potentially after college, what would be a good gateway into it? Yeah. So me and Billy actually talked, spoke about this a little bit um, earlier in this podcast. Uh, a thing that I really, the uh, thing that helped me a lot when I was looking at jobs is just like reading the job responsibilities first mm-hmm. for like, uh, if you do like a search on Indeed or LinkedIn or Teamworks, if you're looking for a sports job, it's just uh, looking at those jobs and then reading the responsibilities. And that way, you know, you those requirements that you need to learn. And I'll give you a good idea of like what to search on YouTube. If they're, if they're asking for after effects, like, Hey, I can look up after effects tutorials and learn from there. And really, I think in this industry, your portfolio is pretty much everything. So if you don't have a portfolio right now, it's just to go out and it doesn't even have to be like a real gig. Like you could just go out and shoot, start shooting stuff Mm -hmm. and start getting projects. But another way to like get experience, if you don't have, you know, paid jobs yet is to reach out to teams or, you know, like charities even, and just ask them, Hey, can I put together a video for you guys? And then in return, can I use this for my portfolio? And that's a good way to start building that. And eventually once you get a portfolio, you cut a reel and then that's pretty much all you need to get your foot in the door. Like if your work's good, then you'll get a call back from somewhere. Perfect. Awesome. Um, and I think this, this next question kind of applies to the, to the both of you. Um, so you guys, guys both kind of shoot game day stuff as well. Um, what do you guys look for game day? Do you guys have like a checklist of shots going into it, um, that you're looking to get, um, or kind of what's that process look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't really have a checklist. Um, well, I, I guess technically I do. So since I shoot for the NFL and the I shoot for the NFL sh- social team, uh, pre-game, before the game even starts, they'll send a shot list of uh, things I need to get, things that both teams, you know, their social teams want because I'm shooting for both the away team and the home team. So if someone, you know, on the away team is like, hey, I want to get a shot of our quarterback entering the tunnel, then I'll make sure to try to get that shot. If the home team, the Chiefs, they're asking, you know, I want to get the Mahomes, you know, warming up and throwing his deep bomb, I'll make sure to go get that. So I have, you know, kind of that list that are kind of my responsibilities for game days. But when it comes to, like, covering the game outside of those kind of responsibility shots, um, I don't really have a checklist that I go off of. It's more... 
um, based on, you know, what I have in front of me versus what versus what I haven't gotten yet. So, for example, you know, if I shoot Patrick Mahomes throwing for a touchdown, then I know I want to make sure that I get a different angle of Patrick Mahomes throwing so that later in the edit I can, you know, stitch those two shots together. Um, if I have a bunch of tight shots of all these, you know, big football players, I also want to make sure I have wide shots and medium shots and, you know, extreme wide shots of the players and the environment around us and showing off the fans and just making sure that I'm not getting the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, that way, after the game, in my post-game edit, I have plenty of variety to pick from and um, it's not all the same and doesn't make the edit super boring. So um, it also depends on like if you're shooting with a team, like I'm sure Justin has other shooters, you know, and they all have their responsibilities. Um, and it also depends on what your end deliverables are after the game or even during the game. Um, for example, as an LCC, I'm shooting to get out, you know, the touchdown celebration. So I need to make sure I'm in the end zone so that when they score and they celebrate, I'm in a perfect position for that. Um, and then also after the games, you know, I'm making a one minute Instagram recap. I need to make sure I have, you know, the shots that I need to make that um, as good a, as I can make it. Yeah, and kind of touching it on it from an internal team perspective, because we have plenty of shooters every game, even, you know, with the whole COVID season, we still have like four to five shooters per home game. So we meet before the game to kind of figure out where everyone's going to be. And if anyone has any special ideas, like maybe someone's taking the Ronin out for a specific shot, but we basically coordinate. So we're not all getting the same exact shot like Billy was talking about. So we all shoot like team arrival, but then once they get into the stadium, some people are shooting inside the locker room for them getting ready. Uh, some people are out on the field shooting warmups. Basically, our end goal is to get as much coverage as possible. So later into the week, we can choose from any shot and like any point in the stadium of what we want to edit with. So some per someone's getting fan shots, someone's getting locker room shots. We got it all. And then during the game, we coordinate on, you know, which person is going to be on, you know, the opponent sideline, the home sideline in the end zones, just like, yet again, you know, getting a variety of shots that don't look the same from each other. So just getting as much coverage as possible. Perfect. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so that's obviously kind of game day, but as far as editing goes, um, I know that when you're shooting something that's high intensity, just like sports, obviously pacing is very important. When you are editing a video, what is kind of your process look for that as far as music or just shot selection? Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I always, you know, pick my song first and I almost always do my audio first before I even like start picking out selections. Um, I like to, you know, cut up my song so I know the feeling that I'm going for. And I feel like that directs most of the edit. So as I'm cutting the song, I'm like picturing shots in my head that I knew happened, like, you know, specific touchdowns or like locker room shots that I got you know, for like the slow part of the song. So I do my audio. And then from there, I fill in parts of the song. I know I want certain shots at. And then after that, I just fill in the rest of the timeline. So audio first for me is just kind of how I, you know, like to edit. 
Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I like to find my audio first and, you know, cut up exactly the, you know, the parts of the music that I'm going to be using because I'm not using the full song in most of my edits since the majority of my edits are for Instagram, which is under a minute. Um, I want to make sure that my music is, you know, it makes sense. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that it ends under a minute. So, or, you know, maybe it ends at 45 seconds, maybe it ends at 55 seconds, whatever, that's fine. But I want to know what that, you know, what that range is so that I'm not over editing if I'm using the clips first. And then now I have to cut some clips because the song edit only works out to be 46 seconds, but I have a minute of footage. Like, um, I like setting down the music first because that lays kind of the foundation to put your footage on top of it. And then... Um, I think, you know, you mentioned pacing um, to get more into that. I think pacing is really important. Um, and it's something that I'm not sure if you could practice it. I'm not sure if you're just born with it or what. But I feel like, you know, sometimes people spend too much time on a shot. And you could easily just use the best moment of that shot, whether it's, you know, the catch or, you know, the pre-route or whatever. Like there's there's – Whatever shot you have, there's a you could use half the length of that clip and still, you know, put out the same message you're trying to do with that shot, and then that gives you a whole another two three seconds to add another shot and kind of do the same thing. And um, you know, obviously sometimes if the music is slow, you want a shot to be slower and you know drawn out. But a lot of times these days, I see a lot of edits where. The music is fast. The lyrics are fast. There's a lot of instruments. There's, you know, fast pace. Like, it's right. just going. And then the shots are just taking forever to develop. Like, you're seeing the entire route. I didn't. I don't need to see the entire route. I just need to see the catch. Or you're seeing, like, yeah. you know, the player run for the full 100 yards down the field. I don't really need to see that. I just need to see maybe the juke and then maybe the, the touchdown when he scores. Like, um, I think pacing is really important to think about after you set down your music to found, to set the foundation. Yeah, kind of, uh, I want to add to that pacing part. The trick that I kind of learned at the Seattle Mariners when I was interning there is the more cuts you have, like kind of speed up the pacing. I mean, that kind of sounds like common sense, but like picture if you have a shot of a play, if you're showing the whole play in one clip from one angle, then versus showing it from, you know, okay, I show the start of this play and then cut to a different angle that in your head looks faster, even right. though you're, you're showing the exact same, you know, same exact same play, the same, you know, the same way it happens, but you're seeing a cut in between that kind of like increases the pace in your head. Okay. Awesome. And then lastly, kind of, what do you guys think percentage wise, do you think, you would use between I do both of you guys use Adobe products, you know, after effects, premiere pro, like what is your percentage there as far as usage between those two programs? That's going to vary a lot between people and projects. Like if you've seen some of my stuff, it's, there's a few edits that are like very after effects heavy. So it really just depends on the project and what your goal is. If you're just trying to make like a flashy edit, like sometimes I'll be in After Effects for, you know, 60% of the time and then Premiere in the other 40%. Um, sometimes I'll have edits where there's no, not really any effects. So I'll be in Premiere 100% of the time. So it really just depends. Yeah, I think ideally for me, I like to try to stay in Premiere as much as possible, but there are 
a lot of things that you can't do in Premiere and you kind of need After Effects to um, give you the, the ability to do what you want to do. So what I like to do is I like to start in Premiere no matter what, and then I'll either open up After Effects or something I like to do is link my comps so that um, if you right click on a clip in Premiere and hit, you know, uh, open in After Effects or open in composition in After Effects or whatever right. it is, um, it'll open up After Effects and basically link the two together. So anything you do on that After Effects comp, it does in Premiere. So that's my favorite way of kind of going back and forth between the two is making sure that they're linked um, through that function. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree with Justin. It depends on the deliverable. It depends on the project. If you're doing like a long form six minute documentary, you're probably not sure. in After Effects as much. It's more you know about the story, um, the audio, the interviews, the shots, and the color grading. Um, if you're doing a seven second you know, social hype video for um, pregame. Maybe you're in After Effects a little bit more if you want to get flashy. Um, but then again, you, you could do that without After Effects too. It just depends how, um, it depends what you're trying to do and if Premiere allows it or not. If it doesn't, go to After Effects. If it does, right. I'd, I'd recommend just staying in Premiere as much as possible. Perfect. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I've got. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Trevor, for hopping on and asking those questions. Those are really good. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Thanks, uh, Billy and Justin. Yep. Thanks, Trevor. See ya. All right. So uh, that might be our last cool. call-in. There was a third, but he left. But, um, yeah, those were some good questions. Um, I want to talk a little bit more. I think you mentioned that college athletics is kind of your favorite field to work in. Um, I personally have never worked in college athletics, so I'm really curious as to – um, what that dynamic is like. Uh, what what do you think separates college from maybe you know a corporate job or a um, national team job like a league in the league or something? Yeah, that's actually a question I get like quite often. Um, I feel like your goals are just different for college athletics, especially you work for an internal side in a football team. You're working to get recruits to come play for your team versus your work for the NFL, you're looking to sell tickets, uh, put sponsorships onto like videos and all that. And that's kind of what like deters me from making the switch. Like I rather, you know, make videos to recruit guys to come here than like, you know, slap a logo onto, you know, like a, you know, whatever logo goes onto a video to try to sell tickets and just like, there's a lot more resources in that, like the league versus kind of having to, having to be scrappy and, you know, like, you know, find ways to do things yourself, you know, like make your own DIY stuff sometimes to, you know, do for shoots. And I like that. Like, I like having to get my hands dirty and like go and do a whole bunch of different things. And I feel like that really highlights my skill set, which is kind of broad. Like I'm not just a shooter or editor, like, and I like doing motion graphics and it kind of just keeps the day to day a little different in my experience. Yeah. I, I bet that's a lot more fun trying to, you know, create content, trying to, you know, get guys to buy in on your program versus just making content just because the sponsorship team wants it. Um, I, part of me wishes I had a little bit of experience in the college world, but I, you know, going to, I went to university of Arkansas and I didn't even shoot, um, in college. I never shot football. Um, until I went to the Chiefs. So um, that would have been interesting for sure. Um, tell me, 
you know, I mentioned it before, Ohio State and USC, they're kind of, or University of South Carolina football, they're kind of, the, in my mind, probably the top five, top ten um, in terms of the content team there. What are some, sim- like, what are some similarities between the two programs? Like what makes Ohio State and what makes um, South Carolina football stand out um, since you've been to both programs? I think the long, like, like they've both been on top for like quite a like while now, like probably like the past four or five years. And that kind of like is attributed to leadership. Like over at Ohio State, like I mentioned, Zach Swartz is doing a great job and at finding talent and, you know, producing videos himself. He's a great storyteller. Justin King down here in South Carolina, he's great at finding talent and then also a great storyteller. So just those leadership, people in those leadership roles that do, that are really good at their job and allow, you know, people under them to, you know, create and learn and kind of grow into their role is like probably the main similarities that I see between the two programs. Um, I think the success kind of looks a little different between the two programs. Um, South Carolina, I feel like is very, you know, like cinematic storytelling, which Ohio State also has some of that too. But before I came down here, that's like pretty much what they're all about. Um, Ohio State had like a great mixture of storytelling, but also like, you know, short form editing and that's where they really shined and also, you know, graphic design as well. Talk to me a little bit about your equipment and kind of maybe what was your first camera and what did you upgrade to versus what you're using now and kind of what you prefer when, you know, covering a game. Yeah, my first camera was a Canon T3i and I feel like for some reason that's like a lot of people's first camera because <laughs> I guess was it was affordable and then like <laughs> yeah exactly so you paired it with like a nifty 50 which is like a 51.8 and that's only like 80 bucks like you get some pretty good images like I could probably you know rock that today and you know be able to make something um, but from there uh, I made the jump into Sony uh, I got an a7s2 which was a fantastic camera at the time and could basically see in the dark like it was an awesome camera. Like you can push the ISO really far up and not get that much noise. Um, but going into UW Athletics, we shot Sony as well. But then we started moving towards like you know cinema style cameras, where you get the bigger bodies and a little bit more functionality. Like you get XLR inputs and you got ND filters built right in. And that's my main preference for shooting games nowadays. Uh, down here in South Carolina, we shoot with all Canon, like we have a Canon ecosystem. We have a ton of C100s. I shoot on C200 mostly. And that's what I prefer. I think the colors are great compared to Sony. Like Sony, you could get some pretty good colors, but you definitely have to work a lot harder shooting an S-Log. But that's what we did at Ohio State. And that's kind of what helped me learn how to color grade is just because I hated those Sony colors. And I definitely had to invest more time into learning how to color grade or else like your footage is all wonky and all that and doesn't look good. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I'm team Canon over uh, team Sony. I, I could just never figure out the colors. I had the A7S II as well um, after the T3i and the Canon 70D, but then I just had to switch back. It was it was, it was tough. You you bought the R5, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. How's, 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 that, how's that been? Yeah, I have the R5. It's um, honestly, I haven't, I feel like I haven't been able to use it like how I wanted to, um, just because with COVID this year we're in the stands and 
Um, I'm, I can't get close to player, so I'm just on a monopod, and I just feel like I just feel stuck on an island with it. But uh, I've started to use it for games this season because we're stuck in the stands and our media room has been moved up to the press box. I don't have access to it as easily as before. So that kind of knocked out my Blackmagic 4K rig because I need I need to have a laptop uh, available to dump footage and get it out. Um, but with having really no easy access to the press box from the stands, uh, I have to have a mobile solution. Um, so now this season I'm shooting all Canon R5 because I could just plug the card straight into the card reader, straight into my iPad and get that exported and sent right away on the spot versus with my black magic i have to i need a laptop for some reason it just doesn't get read um the files don't get read on an ipad or an iphone so um it's been nice it's um i haven't been able to push it as much as i want to but it's definitely a sweet camera to have i sold my a7 III um to get it and you know i'm still team black magic all the way i love my black magic 4k um I just got the R5 just to get back into the Canon ecosystem because Canon is what I use with my, with my Black Magic, and I didn't really want to have Sony lens and Canon lens um, with my two kind of two sh main shooters. Um, tell me a little bit about when you were learning, you know, doing tutorials and stuff. Like you didn't have a formal class, you know, background in video production. Like this is all self-taught. Um, what was kind of what helped you kind of figure out After Effects and figure out Premiere? Like, how did you get past that initial phase of you know opening it and not having a clue what anything was? Yeah, so I kind of just started by learning the foundation of the program, like really getting to know it, like you know clicking on buttons and seeing what it does, doing like beginner master classes to kind of just get an overview, and then from there my best way of learning is just coming up with projects like stuff that I probably can do up to like 50%, but then still need another 50% to get to. So I would have to, you know, YouTube those, that rest of that 50%. So if I was like trying to, you know, put something onto like a wall, like put like a video onto like a TV, like an after effects, then I would just search that up. And then, when going through the tutorials, like really taking in why they're doing certain things. Cause I feel like it's easy to follow a tutorial step-by-step, step, but not really understand why they're doing it. So I paid attention to what that effect was doing. So then later on when I was doing, you know, a similar thing or something completely different, I could use that effect and understand, you know, Hey, this does this. So it's going to make my footage do this. So yeah, just really building a tool belt, is what I like to like imagining or imagine doing when going through those tutorials is something I can learn from that tutorial, but then also, you know, take back out later and apply to like, in maybe a completely different way. I like that uh, analogy of like a tool belt because I probably same situation with me. I was afraid of after effects at first. Um, and I would just open after effects and follow step-by-step -step tutorials. And, you know, I would find a tutorial I liked, follow it, you know, close, close it, save it or whatever, and then <laughs> open it up the next day, start all over and follow the tutorial again and see if I can remember the steps before they, you know, they got to their next step and try to 
kind of build my muscle memory on the step. So that way, you know, once I mastered that tutorial and could do it without the tutorial, that was kind of like my first tool. And then I would do the next tutorial and that was another tool. And then you realize you can like intermix these tools and use little bits and, you know, pieces of certain tutorials um, to kind of help you on your, on your own thing, because not everything you do um, once you, you know, get into this industry, there's not a tutorial for everything you do. You have to kind of, you know, if you come up with an idea, the chances of someone having a tutorial on that idea is slim. You kind of have to, you know, mix and match different tutorials and different effects and different things to kind of make it all come together. Yeah. And that's like a great way to stand out is like, once you eventually get to that level, like you start doing things that like people aren't doing because it's not, it can't be done through just, you know, searching up a YouTube tutorial. It's like done through like an idea that you come up with and then you have the tools to be able to execute that. And sometimes that's like looking up another tutorial and just like, that's completely unrelated and taking apart from that and then applying it to your own just to help you progress a little bit further. But yeah, that's when you start like really like standing out is just like, you know, getting to that level where you can come up with the idea and then be able to get yourself mostly through the way there. I like to ask this question when I'm hiring people, if you could only shoot for the rest of your career versus edit for the rest of the career, which one would you pick and why? I remember when this story came up on your, I think you were the one that asked it on Twitter, right? Yep, and then yep, like it sparked it like this whole debate. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, one of the, every, I was reading that thread and then everybody was like, oh, team shooter, team shooter for sure. But for me, like, I think like editing is like, that's my bread and butter. Like, I feel like that's, I mean, you need good footage, but that, I feel like that's where the story comes together. And my response in that thread was like, if I'm just shooting for the rest of my life, I feel like my skill set will eventually cap out. There's a lot to learn and you could definitely, you know, be a grandmaster shooter. But after that, like, I don't, I think I would just be bored. You know, what really drives me is to like to keep learning new things. And when you're editing, if you consider, you know, like cinema 4d after effects in, in that editing realm, like there's enough stuff out there to keep you busy for like, like, a hundred lifetimes. Like I recently tried learning cinema 4d, uh, over quarantine and that's like a whole different beast and you just kind of have to think differently, but that's what I like about editing. You know, it challenges me and there's always something new to learn and there's always someone coming up with a new effect that I, you know, I probably want to replicate and you know, apply in my own way. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, the, I try to get learned a little bit cinema 4d as well. And that's your thing is just, it, it blows your mind. You cannot, mm -hmm. it, it's crazy having to think in 3D space. And um, I, I know a lot of us at Let It Fly have started to get in like Blender and Unreal and we're trying to, we're trying to dabble in that space. And it's just, <laughs> I'm just like, you guys learn it. I'm just going to sit here and tell y'all what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. I've seen that. Like where, there, where you guys are doing like, you guys were doing like a daily challenge. I think it was like Andy that started that. And that, that was awesome. I was like, man, I, I might have to get in on this challenge too to kind of push myself. <laughs> yeah. We, really do, cool. we do this thing called weekly trash and we, we've kind of fell <laughs> off of it recently, but basically um, at the beginning of each week, we'll each submit a random word. So someone will say like billboard, someone will say like, I don't know, a moth someone will say like ben's face and then you have to use those three words in your weekly trash and do some insane render and just be crazy with it i could never get into it because i had no idea what i was doing um but but there's been some funny compilations of what people have produced 
Um, you mentioned uh, seeing an effect and kind of replicating it. I think a lot of people out there are, they have a lot of questions about like, is it okay for me to copy someone? Or like, there's a lot of that, you know, out there of copying people's work or like, is that true inspiration? What is your advice to someone who, you know, sees someone, see something they like and they want to do it? Like, um, or what is your thoughts on that whole? Yeah, I know that's like rampant, especially in like the sports community. Cause like you see it and then like, even if you don't know it, like you're, you're redoing it. And, and at that, at the end of when it's like posted, you're like, oh man, that's kind of looks like really similar. And that's kind of like a trap that people can fall into and a way to avoid that is to expand your inspirations beyond sports. Like definitely like find different outlets besides just, you know, sports, Instagram, sports, Twitter, like look into different industries, movie industry, advertising, like car industries, even like car commercials have like fantastic storytelling as well and effects. So just opening yourself up to, grab inspiration from different places that aren't, you know, directly in sports that will help you out a lot in that respect. But if you do see something, you know, that you want to, you know, replicate, find your own way to put a different twist on it. So like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, like, man, if someone, you know, does like 3d cutouts and you put a 3d camera flying through it, if they do it in a certain way, like, you know, find a way to switch that up. Maybe you go from a different angle, like you come from the side and, or like the 3d cutouts, like pop up from the ground. Like there's different, there's like a million ways to do things and you could definitely find a way to put your own twist into it. Like, and make it your own, you know, that's the fun part. Yeah. Of, you know, I, doing think, this whole I think so that's like, a good way of learning and getting better is to actually, you know, copy someone like that's, if you see something mm -hmm. that's good, then you, and you want to be good, then you 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 kind of have to learn it, to, you know, become good. But um, at the same time, I also agree, like, don't just copy it straight up. Like, see if you can put your own twist on it. See if you can add another flair to it, add another angle, add another, you know, twist and turn to it um, to kind of make it yours. And, you know, it's, I think, you know, it's it's a big cycle of, of where that idea came from. Like that person probably got it from somebody else and they probably got something from somebody else. Like mm -hmm. it's not, it's, there's too much out there for people to be worried about, oh, you know, people are gonna think I copied or like, you know, like the person you're worried about who you, you're scared of, you know, doing that thing or trying that thing out, um, probably got it from someone else and that person probably got it from someone else. So. Um, that's really good advice to also expand your inspiration to, to not only look at sports, but look at, um, you know, movies, YouTube, um, other content creators, TikTok, you know, whatever, like, um, mm -hmm. there's definitely other inspirations out there. What's, what's kind of your, you know, go-to inspiration or a spot for finding, um, new things? Definitely one I feel that's underutilized in our industry is Vimeo because, you could just like browse the video page and look at like the staff picks and then do a great job of just like highlighting a bunch of different content. Like it's not just one thing that dominates the video space. Like there's advertisements, like commercial, like, you know, TV commercials, but then there's like indie filmmaking stuff. So I go there a lot just to, you know, see what's out there and kind of just like expand my horizons. And then besides that, 
Uh, I follow people that inspire me on Instagram, Twitter, and I save their stuff. Like, and that really comes in handy when I'm, you know, in a rut and I am like completely out of ideas. I, you know, save stuff to Pinterest and I save stuff to my bookmarks and I kind of just browse, browse those. And then usually something that I saved that I thought was dope would spark an idea, even if it's not like directly related to that content that I'm looking at, like an idea will usually form. Yeah. That's, that's really important to take advantage of uh, Instagram's collection. Um, I do that as well. I save everything I see and, you know, I have a category for if it's the cinematography that I like, or if it's the graphics or if it's the animations, mm-hmm. like I, I have different uh, categories for that. Uh, Vimeo is a good um, tip. I, I've never thought about that. Um, I know I've, dabbled in you know looking around vimeo back when probably vimeo first came out and i remember kind of seeing a little bit not the usual stuff you see on youtube it's more mm-hmm. catered to well-polished pieces um, but i haven't been back on that in a while in terms of just browsing so that's actually a really good idea um, who were some of your big kind of mentors as you were on this journey to usc like who were some who are some of those people that kind of stood out and helped you get to where you are now? Pretty much like every single like person that I work for, like I had great bosses like throughout my whole journey and they really pushed me to like become the creator I am. Like, uh, like Trenton Cotton from Utah athletics, like he was probably like the person who pushed me the most. Cause I remember doing like a women's basketball intro and I re- I thought I was pretty good. Like I thought I was ready to, you know, get shipped off, but he, he like sat down and he told me, he's like, Hey, I've seen your past work. Like you could definitely, you know, push this way like further than like what it is right now. And sure enough, I spent like another week on it and looking at the two versions, like it's just like like, night and day. Like I already thought it was good, but then like just having someone tell me like, Hey, I know you can do better. Like, that's that's worth like so much is someone that just is honest with you for like the right reasons you know not just being blunt to be blunt but like blunt to like push you you know push you to the next level um zach schwartz learned a lot from him alex farkas who i worked at ohio state football with like we would go back and forth all the time like during the off season we would make like player highlights and like we made one for like every single person that asked for one so we were doing like there's like a whiteboard with like 30 different players. And we were just like, go down the list, checking them off. And they started off like really tame, <laughs> like just like your standard highlight. And then like, I would see Alex do something like crazy, like in after effects. And I'm like, okay, I got to do something crazy. And it was like a friendly competition. And we like, would just bounce ideas back and forth or just like, look at what they're doing. And we're like, damn, I got, I got one up that, you know, in like a friendly way. Um, Justin King down here is like phenomenal at cinematography. Like, I feel like my cinematography and shooting has gotten up like to the next level. And that's just from being around Justin King and the staff down here. They really like take the time to plan and spend more time in pre-production than most than all the other places that I've been at so far. And it really shows in the work and you come to a shoot, like really prepared and know what you have to get. Like, yeah. So basically all my bosses, um, there's some other outside people that I really haven't talked to that I look at, you know, like Gibson hazard, like it's the obvious one that most people like bring up, like 
just because he's mixing a lot of media and that's kind of like something I, I do. Like he mixes a lot of 3d and like sound design and cinematography. And I kind of just look at those people and see what's possible. You know, like, I didn't know, like you could use 3d like that before, like looking at his work. So just like having that awareness that that's even possible kind of just like opens up the, like opens up your mind to, you know, try different things. Yeah. I think that's really important to know, you know, what is out there, what's possible, because then that helps you, you know, have a kind of better understanding, better picture of what you could eventually learn to do. Um, Along those lines, uh, for this part right here, I'm going to have you name three creatives um, that people listening should follow. Uh, Billy Quatch Films. (laughs) Besides you or me. Uh, (laughs) uh, Man, let's see. Dalton Conrad from UCF, if you want to, you know, like I said, expand and see what's possible, like in the realm of color grading and storytelling, he does a fantastic job. Um, we, we usually like talk back and forth, but I always look at his stuff. Like he does like frames, which are like stills and like, no lie. Like if you look at my camera roll, you know, there's some screenshots of his like frames and I like look at those I'm like, okay, I need to get a shot similar like this because the composition is amazing. So Donald Conrad, for sure. Uh, let's see. Tyson Hutchinson. Yeah, Tyson from uh, Clemson. Like, he posts stuff all the time about, you know, marketing and all that. Like, just the whole, you know, metric side of the social space or the social sports space that, you know, we live in. Like, there's he posts, like, great behind-the-scenes type stuff. Uh, let's see who else one more person matt tornquist from lsu like he's definitely a person that i've drawn inspiration from like if you didn't see like his joe burrow video then you definitely live you live under a rock because that thing blew up like where he basically swapped joe burrow in video form like jersey swaps like you know okay we've seen it in pictures but he did it in video form like when he got drafted to the Bengals, like that's crazy like he's always looking you know, to expand his skill set, And that's actually where I get like, got the tool belt thing from. Cause I heard him, you know, it's mentioned that in, on his stream, just like adding to your tool belt. So yeah, those three people, like if you follow them, then it'll definitely like boost up your feed, but there's definitely a million more other people out there that are doing great work. And a lot of them, you know, are at smaller schools, um, like SMU's team, Liberty's team, like those are like a little bit smaller schools. I mean, they're still like D one, but they don't get a lot of recognition. So definitely go check out the people who work there. But yeah, it's yeah. basically endless. Like yeah, there, there's, there's a lot, a lot of great of people making great people stuff. Yeah, for sure. Those those are three solid names to follow, and it's important if you want to be in this space to know who else is in this space. Like um, if you're in mm-hmm. high school and you want to be a content creator in sports, you should be following those you know, trying to find those content creators on social so you know what they're working on, how they go about things. And, you know, they're, they're probably not going to share all their secrets on social, but you'll, you'll get a glimpse of what their life is like. Or maybe they'll give you a glimpse of if you even want to pursue this um, career. Um, and I think that's really important to know what you're getting yourself into. Um, for a couple more last sections before we end the podcast, uh, for this part, I'm calling it flip the script. I'm going to let you ask me a question or two. Um, usually I've been doing only one question, but we didn't have that many call in. So I'll allow one or two, three questions if you have any um, for me. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, 
what was your like inspiration behind like start have you talked about this before like starting this podcast like what made you like really want to do it like are you passionate about helping people get started out because that's something that helped you start out like what's the what's your what drives you to kind of continue with this podcast yeah that's a really good question i I probably touched on it before but basically um i feel like for the past like year and a half ever since i left the chiefs and had that insane summer um that kind of put me on the map I've had thousands of DMs just on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, from other creatives or other younger creatives asking like, hey, how, what did you do in college? Like, how did you get the job you have now? Like, how do you work for the NFL? Like, can you look at my reel? Like, can you critique me? Like, just hundreds and hundreds of questions. And I've always, you know, tried to answer every single one. Like, I'll respond with paragraphs and like, I'll hit the character limit um, on answering some of these questions because I... You know, if I was in their positions, you know, asking questions, I would hope that the person I was asking DM me back. Um, so that's what I've always tried to do is just, you know, spread my spread what I've learned as much as possible. And then recently, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of gotten a little repetitive. So I've noticed my answers aren't those full essays that they were at the beginning. And they're kind of just maybe a paragraph or two now and that maybe it's like it's starting to get it's starting to like kind of get to mm-hmm. me and I was like man I wish I you know I just don't have time like that uh, it's also because of life like I'm getting a little busier um being a creative director at this agency so like I don't have as much time to just you know give a full response so I was just trying to think like man what if, how can I like share my answer and get that answer to multiple people not just help the person that's asking but also helping others who might have the same questions because obviously a lot of people have the same questions because I'm getting all those questions. Um, so that's what started this podcast. Um, and the title came from that Twitter debacle a couple of weeks ago when uh, uh, that MLB videographer you know, got <laughs> in the shot. And I haven't talked about this yet. This is the reason I've named it Get the Shot. But um, basically, you know, I was respond. I responded to it like, if I'm in the position to get that shot, I'm going to go get the shot. Um, and that kind of did numbers on Twitter. And I was like, oh, that should be the the name of the <laughs> podcast. Get the shot. Dude, and I, then, I, I like went to sleep during that whole thing and I woke up and I was like, whoa, what is going on with photography and sports video worlds right now? Yeah. I was like, I mean, it, it actually like sparked like some pretty good conversation on like, you know, like what should actually happen in a game. So yeah. I felt like, something good came out of that i mean obviously this podcast is one of them it came out of yeah i mean and then and then i i've kind of flipped it i'm like well i'm not literally you know get the shot doesn't mean literally get the shot hit the record button or the shutter it means helping other young creatives get their shot at you know Mm -hmm. being one of us you know in this awesome sports industry that we work in like how can i help you the listener get the shot of doing what I do because it's such an awesome job and an awesome experience that I want to help as many people as possible to get to where I am because I know, you know, I'm only three years out of college and I shot the Super Bowl this year. Like I, when I say that out loud, it's like, I don't think that's normal. Um, so there's something about me or my story that I hope is inspirational. And I hope that helps, you know, other people, you know, get off their butts and, go do the same thing. Um, a lot of, a lot of DMS 
are sometimes aren't even questioned. They're just like, hey, you really inspire me. And like, I really appreciate what you do. And I'm like, dang, I'm like, I'm really like inspiring. Even if it's just one person, like that, it feels, mm-hmm. it just makes me want to keep hoping and keep um, inspiring others. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the awesome. reason for the podcast. That's the reason I share all my knowledge whenever people DM me or tweet at me. Like I'm not afraid to share all my settings, all my export settings, whatever. Like in my head, if I give you like the camera I have, the lens I use, the Ronin I use, if I give you everything and match you up versus me, you're not going to beat me. So I'll happily give you, <laughs> you know, you know, I have, I try to have that confidence in myself that I'm not afraid to share my knowledge or my secrets because even if you have it, I'm still, you know, I'm still here. So yeah, that's kind of my yeah I th- mentality I th- with this podcast. That's great. Like I try, I definitely try to like reach back to like everybody's DMs, but like, like you said, like it just kind of gets overwhelming. Uh, I definitely give priority to like, you know, high schoolers, like, and all that trying to like really come up with the game. Uh, but that kind of like brings me to a second question. Like you mentioned, like you kind of like really blew up when like all your chief stuff, like, like your chief stuff was like plastered all over like Twitter and the internet and all that got some great shots. Like, do you think it's worth, well, obviously it's probably worth, but like, do you think it's a heavy impact working for, you know, a team that kind of has more, of a following versus like what I said earlier, like people are doing great work at like SMU, Liberty, like those smaller schools. Like, what do you think, what's your take on that? I think it definitely has an effect, uh, probably a positive effect, uh, trying to think about it. Like I definitely got super lucky that, you know, the Chiefs picked me up and I arrived at the same time Patrick Mahomes arrived. And then that was my internship year, the year that um, he sat on the bench and was learning behind Alex Smith. Um, so I had a sneak peek in practice of what he was capable of. Um, but then the next year, I was full-time at the Chiefs for my first, you know, full-time role. And that's the year he, you know, took the QB one spot. He became the MVP and kind of just blew up, making no-look passes. Like, all eyes were on the Chiefs. And that definitely helped, you know, put some extra eyeballs on my content and made – made even just making the content easier and more fun because, you know, your team's really mm-hmm. doing doing really well. Um, and, you know, that just drives you to do well with your content. Um, but so I'll say it, I'll agree it has an impact on the numbers. And, you know, obviously more people are just going to see your work naturally because you are on the team that, you know, it has all those eyeballs. But I don't think the quality of my work would have changed if I was mm-hmm. at any other team. Um, you know, coming out of college, I had not much of experience at all. I didn't shoot a single football game. I was shooting Quidditch back then on my TV. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I did a little bit of broadcast and like that side of things. So I kind of knew a little bit, but not a lot. And, you know, I was telling, telling myself in my head, like, I don't care where I get hired. Um, it could be a triple A team in Odessa baseball. Like I'm going to produce as much fire content as possible and work my way up until I'm in the big leagues. Like whoever's going to get me is going to get the best version of myself. And that's, that was Mm kind of my mindset, you know, coming out of college and getting that opportunity at the chiefs. I just busted down the door. I I didn't put my foot in the door. I like busted down the door and was like, (laughs) There, you ever see that that gif of uh, Big Bird where he's yeah. like, "That's probably what you did." Yep, I just <laughs> busted in. Like at first, I was you know trying to figure out what my responsibilities were, and 
you know, what I had to do as an intern. But once I accomplished those things and once I knew what my role was, I would push and say, hey, can I do that? Hey, can I shoot for a quarter? Hey, you know, like, do you need a break shooting? Like, I'll shoot for the fourth quarter or I'll shoot on defense. I don't care. Like, you know, you want to shoot on offense? I'll shoot on defense and, like, get a drive in just for this once um, and just pushing my shooting capabilities as well as, you know, edits like, hey, I'll do that edit or, hey, can you look at my edit and critique it or is this what you're looking for and just absorbing everything as an intern. So that way, um, luckily, a spot did open up at the Chiefs and I was able to put myself in a position to where they just kept me on because it was easier for them to just keep me because they knew me and knew how hard I work versus trying to hire someone else completely different. Yeah, like I definitely feel that because like – like I said, like I came from Ohio state and that's definitely a huge, you know, that's one of the biggest college football brands too. And I, but I didn't even know the magnitude of that because I wasn't really a sports fan. Like, but when I got there, like, yeah, the views definitely helped get like my work out there. But like you said, like I was going to put my best foot forward at any place. And even if you do are at a smaller school and you do like great work, like people see it. And then if you apply for a job, at least for me, if I'm the hiring manager, if I'm comparing like two like two people and then ones at like, you know, probably a school that's like, you know, known more, I'm still looking at the skill set, you know, like, yeah, it's a bigger brand and all that, but at the end of the day, you got to be good at what you do and that'll get you the job. So like you could definitely make it starting, you know, somewhere smaller, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, th- th- that's one of the piece of, uh, pieces of advice I like to give is people always ask me like, how do I get into the NFL and shoot like an NFL game? And I'm like, well, first of all, are you good enough to shoot in the NFL? So you need to have that conversation with yourself. If you are, you know, or if you aren't and you can't get in, what if you tried at a lower level, like try college? Can you get into your local college? Can you get into your local JUCO, your local D3 team? Like what's the lowest level of high school you're willing to go to shoot? Um, can you get into your high school? Like there's probably 10 high schools around where you live um, who all have football teams and, you know, I'm sure one of those coaches are going to, is going to give you a pass to get on the field because they're jacked about their team and, you know, they don't have a content team. Um, start there. And if you're good, then, you know, you'll, you can use that footage to leverage yourself into better, you know, games and bigger games, um, at the college level or, or at the NFL. If you're not good, that's fine keep practicing and use that as, you know, your time to experiment with shots and get better. And eventually, you know, even if it takes one, two, three, four years, you're going to get better because you're doing it repetitively and you're going to have some money shots that you can put in a reel. And then you're at the point where you can leverage yourself like the person that was good originally. So that's um, my thing is like, it doesn't matter where you end up, like you, you can make good content without the large crowds and the large stadiums. And it it definitely helps obviously to have a bigger brand and a bigger audience. But um, at the end of the day, it's you and your camera and your computer. I remember on like Jeff's stream, I I heard you say like, yeah, if you don't have those teams even like, or during COVID, like take a friend to the beach and like record a workout, like, like, and yeah, that could be dope. If you could make that dope, then like you could make like shooting up the Super Bowl dope. Like if you make the board, like the smaller boring content, like exciting, then like that speaks levels on your work. 
like sometimes even more than like the bigger projects. Yeah, it's it's easy to make Patrick Mahomes look cool. He'll he'll uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll do his thing and you'll be Gucci. But um, you know, I, I the other day I was you know a couple of weeks ago I was driving down, um, driving home and I looked over at the park and I just saw um, a lacrosse team practicing and I was like, dang, there's there's a lacrosse team practicing right there like if I wanted to if I was in the position where you know I wanted to get into lacrosse and wanted to become a lacrosse shooter I would have got my camera parked the car and been like yo can I film your practice for free and then I'll give you the video afterwards I just want to practice on filming and most of the times they'll say yes like as long as you're nice and aren't in the way most people are gonna be like yeah sure like go ahead do whatever you want most of, most of the time people are fighting to get in front of the camera. Yeah. Like people like, especially like athletes, like they love being in front of the camera. So yeah. Yeah, then, yeah for sure. Um, any other questions before the next thing? Yeah, I guess I have one more since you're in kind of in a special role where you're not really working at sports, like for internal side of the sports team anymore. And you're more on the agency side. And I asked this during one of your streams, like, but I kind of want to let, you know, people who listen to your podcast kind of know the difference between agency life and working for a team like on the sports side like what is your what are your like favorite parts about you know maybe both and probably things that you miss but obviously you still are nfl lcc so you shoot both but i'm sure there's still some huge differences yes that's a really good point to bring up um you know i spent two years at the chiefs so i think i really got a good grasp on what it's like to work for a team and work in that um, team environment for you know an actual sports team um, and then now this past year and a half I left the Chiefs and uh, became the creative director at Let It Fly Media and we're a content agency kind of startup um, trying to do a little bit uh, we still do some sports but it's not like you're you know you're not shooting practices and pressers um, we're doing you know client work for uh, corporate uh, companies and businesses and um, shooting for you know all different types of brands rather than just your one brand on um, the team you're working for and there's definitely a huge difference um, in between the two I enjoyed both I could have seen myself doing both um, the only thing with sports is I couldn't see myself doing that for 10 plus years I could have seen myself doing that for like five six seven years but um, the seasonal grind uh, although I loved it, like I love, you know, the quotation mark grind. Like I, I had my friend make me a flag that says welcome to the grind on it. Like I love that grind, but I knew that that wasn't sustainable over a long period of time. Um, like I couldn't see myself 20 years in doing that grind. Um, and it's something I saw early while at the Chiefs, like I said, I was only there for one year as an intern and then one year as a full-time. So I, I only went through the cycle like twice. And it just kind of, I just kind of noticed things like, like, you know, there's a schedule release video and, you know, you do your idea for that schedule release video. And then next year, there's another schedule release video. And it's like, mm-hmm. I just gave you my best idea last year. <laughs> and now you want me to top that? I, I'll top it, but like, can I do that 10 more times with, you know, the home opener hype video with the playoff hype video with the uniform reveal, like with all these, everything you do, you're going to have to do again next year. And that to me just, 
I couldn't see myself doing that for X amount of years. It was fun. Like I loved it. I learned a lot and was able to give it up my all. And, you know, I, I miss, you know, having one brand to work for and like kind of one logo to only think about. Um, Cause now I'm working for 50, a hundred brands and they all have their own style guides and, you know, fonts and logos and different marketing directors. And it's, it's, it's still fun. It's like, you know, you get a more diverse range of projects, but I do miss kind of having that team aspect and um, working for a team. Um, in terms of the agency side, I feel like, you know, you kind of get your weekends back because there's no games on the weekends. Um, it's, it's less of a seasonal grind where like, you know, maybe at football from summer till February or it's go time. It's more of a the the waves a little bit more subtle. Um, there's still a grind aspect, but it's not as intensive and not as for as long as a period um, because it's 24/7 around the clock. You know, different clients want different things, and um, you're kind of in that grind mode for all those clients. So you're never really out of it. Um, whereas with the team, there's an off season and an in season, so there's that big difference and big switch. Um, but yeah, working for the NFL as an LCC basically made this decision for me to leave the Chiefs a win-win. Like, I love game day shooting for the Chiefs. I love shooting sports. Like, I think for me, I'm I'm just a pure shooter. I love shooting action. And being able to leave the Chiefs and still shoot Chiefs games was basically my dream scenario. Like, I'm literally living my dream job right now where I'm, you know, helping, you know, a startup get going. And, you know, there's there's excitement there that I'm building something from my own um, being one of the I was the first hire at this agency. It was the two co-founders, Ben and Andrew, and then they hired me as number three. So, you know, in X amount of years, I'll always be number three here. And that's very exciting to think about because um, you kind of get to build this whole thing, you build your own team and kind of take a little more charge. Um, where at, at the Chiefs, I was probably employee number like 158, and I was, you know, in a department working for a director, working for a manager, working for an executive, working for a president. Um, and I just didn't really see myself climbing that ladder um, because I enjoyed being at the bottom and, you know, being in the practice field shooting, um, being on the sidelines shooting, like being in the grunt work. I didn't want to move myself up to get away from that, but I knew that wouldn't be long-term sustainability-wise. So um, being at creative or being at an agency allowed me to do both because I still get to work for NFL and I'm just like basically in this perfect situation. So it's it's been freaking awesome. Yeah, that sounds like really great. You get to do like the funnest part of working for a team. I mean, you don't really get like the other internal stuff, but like you get to shoot game day, which is what everyone really works for a team. You know, that's what they're looking forward to every week. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, and we got, the, and I got to shoot the Super Bowl. Like that's, yeah, and the Chiefs won. Like it's, it's just like a perfect, like being there for two years and, you know, getting to know all my coworkers and all the teammates. And then, you know, although it kind of sucks that they won after I left, I kind of liked that they won after I left because, you know, people are always like, well, why didn't you like, don't you want a ring? Like, don't you want to stay? I'm like, uh, the ring's not really worth it. 
at the end of the day, like in 20 years, mm-hmm. that ring is still going to be just a piece of metal versus um, yeah. getting to go and start and do my own thing. So um, that was basically the decision to leave the Chiefs. Um, and I'm so happy for everyone that's all my coworkers that were there and they got to experience um, that win. And that was honestly the craziest thing. I, I can't believe that was this year because of COVID. It feels like it's been. Yeah, uh, it feels years. like 20 years since. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe how stupid I was back then being around all those people. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was insane. All right, last and final mm. thing. Uh, we're about to wrap up the podcast, but final thing I want you to do is to plug yourself, your Instagram, and your Twitter. Um, I know from Alex that they're both different because he gave you some flack for that. Um, but plug yourself <laughs> and then one last piece of advice for the aspiring creative that's listening right now, um, that high schooler, that college student, the maybe they're a recent grad, maybe just, you know, maybe they're in a biology lab and they're thinking about quitting. Um, maybe, unfortunately, maybe they got furloughed and they're trying to get back up on their feet. Like, what's your last piece of advice after you plug yourself? All right. Uh, I've never had to do this before. I guess uh, I post BTS stuff sometimes. I like post frames if you're into that. I uh, post my videos that I've done. Uh, you know, Instagram at Graham Justin Law and then on Twitter at Tweet Justin Law. So, like, they're different, but, you know, they got, got the same, like, thing going on there. Uh, but one piece of advice is that, like, you can make it at any stage in your life. Like, you can take me and Billy as an example. Like, I went to school for biology. Billy was at was at engineering, right? Yeah. And then he shot Quidditch before, you know, he even got into, like, shooting sports. And, you know, now you should shoot in the Super Bowl, you know, working at an agency as a creative director. Like, at any point in your life, if you wanted to, you know, get into video, you can do it. Like the resources are out there more than ever. I learned everything through YouTube, YouTube University, as a, as many people like to say. Like go out there and just build your skill set, and you know, sh- shoot stuff and build a portfolio and build a reel. And once you have those skills, then you can get a job in sports if that's what you want to do. And we're on a hiring freeze right now at South Carolina, but we do need to fill two spots. So I'm literally giving you the shot. Like once we open those up, like apply, like, like send in your reels, like you could DM them to me, like, but yeah, we are filling those spots when we open up. Yo, did you guys just hear that? Justin Law is giving you the shot at working at Gamecock football with his creative team once his hiring freeze is over. I cannot wait to hear back from the first person to get a creative industry job from this podcast. Hopefully it's with Justin and his awesome crew at USC. Thank you so much, Justin, for being on the podcast. Thank you to everyone that called in. Thank you to everyone else for supporting. Please subscribe, download, and leave a review on the podcast page, whether you're on Spotify or Apple. My name is Billy Quash, and I'll catch y'all on the next one. Deuces!